Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Endo Thick of It with Brandon and Kimather. We know that infertility can be a sensitive and difficult topic, but we hope that by sharing our experience and insights, we can provide some comfort to those who may be going through a similar journey. We also want to acknowledge the strength and resilience of those who have already gone through this experience. Your stories are a testament to the power of hope and determination. So let's dive in and explore this topic further. In today's episode, we'll be discussing topics such as adjusting to new realities, triggers, you know, things that people say or do that they probably shouldn't, as well as share some tips on how to show up better for loved ones who struggle with infertility. Um, let's step into these scary waters together, right? Let's talk a little bit about our journey. Okay. Right. I came back from one of my medical mission trips and for some reason I just came back like, you ready to try to make a baby? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I guess, I don't know why, but, and you're like, yeah. And Mm -hmm. I was, I think I was still in the middle of nursing school, maybe Mm -hmm. during that time. Uh, Before that, I really didn't have much desire to have children and really never did actually. Uh, I really, it was a process of going from absolutely not, I don't want to have children to saying, oh, actually, I just had to write, I had to find the right person in my case. For some reason, you came into my life and I was just like, this is a, an amazing man. I think he would be an amazing father. And that started to shift. I also had to realize that for me, a large part of the reason why I didn't want to have children is that having children was framed in my upbringing almost as a burden. Mm. (laughs) And also I, I saw, you know, single moms and I didn't want that for, for my life. If I could avoid it, you know, it's okay to be a single mom, but I, personally didn't didn't want that only because you know i i just saw how hard it was yeah you know and and i was focused on my professional growth and personal growth and i just didn't see being a mom as necessary mm-hmm. uh, to to my to my growth and it 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 was probably Maybe during our first round of marital like, counseling, either premarital or, you know, once we were married, you know, marriage counseling, that I really started to think about, like, wait, why, why has your reason to not have children shifted from just that's not really a, something I want to be part of my future to, well, I just don't, I don't want to become a single mom or, or I, don't want to deal with the struggle that comes with it. Yeah, and I, I did some self-reflection and and also gave myself permission to change my mind. Yeah. You know, that that which is totally okay. Totally okay. And like like I said, I think we clicked so well and I just saw your personality and I really had never seen a man like like you in my life, you know, so I definitely was like, yeah, I, I, I could have his babies, man. <laughs> like, man, this, that's, this actually wouldn't be a bad idea. And then also as I grew up more, got more mature, you know, I, I developed like a, a desire to want to, um, raise, the, the next generation right mm-hmm. <laughs> and i wonder if that's a crossroad like right like, yeah just wanna, this, i just got i just want the next generation, next generation just right. get it right get it right <laughs> so i i was like you know what i can I'd, I'd love to see a little person grow into a responsible knowledgeable 
just meaningful member of society mm-hmm. who can you know, really just experience like all the beauty of life and but even in the midst of the struggles they mm. get with it so and i never was like i must have kids i my life is not complete without them i was never that way right in fact the challenge of infertility for us isn't because i'm like oh my gosh i didn't get the i'm not we didn't build a family that we plan it it really is just more so you work so you work hard towards something and and mm-hmm. it didn't and it didn't work out yeah and the fact that the root reason for that is likely due to my health and and chronic illness is a a hard pill to swallow and i think if it was just like oh well it just can't happen you know but the fact that um, a chronic illness is part of what's in the way of that does um, make one feel robbed you know of yeah. of a of a desire you know something that they want and I realize that we don't all get what we ask for and what we want in, in, in life but yeah but it's, it's hard to go through life without expectations yeah you know yeah. like um I know for for myself, um, like coming from a large family, you know, I got I got a, a gang of siblings, you know, and so that was something I was like, oh man, I'm interested in seeing what kind of person will I produce. And for a large part of it, it was very uh, immature, like <laughs> my my thoughts behind it. It was more like a social experience. I was like, I wonder what kind of person See. can I create. But then that changed though. Mm-hmm. that changed um once once we got together and um and you were like oh I don't, I don't know if i want kids you know i was like my love for you always trumped my desire for children right so it was like i'm not carrying the kid <laughs> you know so i was like all right cool you know it's i could go without it's fine and then um i remember when you know you came and you were like you want to have like try to have a kid and i was like absolutely you know because the interest was still there it's just it wasn't a strong <laughs> it wasn't strong enough mm-hmm. um to get me to be like well this ain't gonna work because mm-hmm. <laughs> i gotta have i gotta have a young one you know mm-hmm. it was never that for me so yeah and i and i was you know single for mm-hmm. a chunk of i guess my most fertile years you know like and, and um you know, I was previously married before a short short time, but for you know mid twenties to mid you know mid almost mid thirties, I was uh, single and was not trying to have children. That's for sure. So by the time the opportunity presented itself, I was already in my thirties, and so I took it took it pretty seriously that I was like, okay, you know, let's try on our own for you know six months. Mm-hmm. Then let's go to a fertility clinic if we don't have success in that time frame. And that's what we did. Went to a fertility clinic, did some diagnostic workups. Um, and, you know, we didn't, things didn't look the greatest, but it wasn't like there was like a right smoking gun here that was going to keep us from, from getting pregnant. So, um like I think you had um, variation and like yeah. your like semen analysis, like you know it kind of would be okay, then not the greatest, then mm-hmm. okay, like um, everything for me seemed fine because they only check really just like your baseline hormones, you yeah, know, your ovaries. Yeah, your... so most of it was like we just was like you know to your point, it was like oh everything appear on the surface appear, appeared normal to you. And so, like, I was like, oh, I just need to get my my little soldiers in order. <laughs> little swimmers need to be swimming and we'll be good. You know, and yeah, started to work on the things that yeah, I needed yeah. to work on. And then they were swimming. And I was like, oh, this, this is great. Now we can proceed. So Yeah. And then we, you know, still was having trouble. And we went, you know, a few more years before we was like, well, let's try fertility treatment let's start with you know iuis and 
And I had some strong reservations for IVF, even though I was I would get so annoyed that people would recommend it like it was like popping a pill. Right. Like, oh, well, have you tried IVF? And I'm like, have you tried dishing out tens of thousands of dollars right. for something that isn't a guarantee? Or like, <laughs> but um, we did the IUI. Um, we did two two rounds and. On the first round, I developed an endometrioma. We interrupt this episode of End of Thick of It for a moment to offer some clarification. We realize that we may have just used a term that some of our listeners may not be familiar with. Endometrioma. An endometrioma is a cystic mass in an ovary that is derived from endometriosis tissue. Endometriomas are often referred to as chocolate cysts because they are filled with a dark brown fluid. Now, back to the episode. And that kind of ended up uh, starting a avalanche of pelvic pain symptoms and what now I know it was further progression of endometriosis. I didn't know it at the time, but I still kept trying. I would I was going to acupuncture, you know, uh, integrative clinician, trying to really attack fertility from all angles and you start you start to believe that you're you're the problem you're just not doing something mm-hmm. like there's there's always something else that you should be doing i find it actually pretty toxic actually like a lot of the fertility content fertility related content out there and definitely also sometimes in the functional medicine space it's always like well are you doing this are you eating this are you doing taking these supplements mm-hmm. uh, and it becomes really unwieldy. And that was the case for me at one point it was taking like 18 like pills yeah. a day. Can, can we talk about this? Right. Like the, it is almost like the whole, the whole system is built to have you like kind of at odds with one another. You know, because yeah, like, yeah, because I was so, like, well, what is something wrong with you? You're not doing something, right? It's like they give you all the they give the the woman, um, like or whoever is trying to get, to carry the child, all of the medications. They're the ones mm-hmm. who are getting poked and prodded all the time, and all the blood um, work is being done. I mean, it's blood work for both ways, but like if it's blood work for me, you get ten times as much. Yeah, you know, and. And when it comes for um, collection, like you can't be in the room with me while I'm uh, doing a uh, getting ready for a semen analysis, right? Um, and, and I'm I'm collecting. You can't be in that space, but I could be in the room with you while you're getting poked and prodded. I just feel like there's so many things that are that aren't equal, you know. And I feel like if it could, it could be something of like, oh, you ain't got to do nothing. All you got to do is, and I feel like we jokingly had these conversations. Yeah, all you got to do is just do is come like, inside me. Like, yeah. <laughs> or like, you know, put get it in a cup. Yeah. And, and it, it, it really can put a strain on relationships because of that. Like, mm-hmm. um, it's really hard, especially when you start dealing with the hormones and the impact it has on your body. Like in my in in my case, you know, I, fertility treatment ended up leading to, you know, chronic pelvic pain and mm-hmm. other issues. And obviously, I had endometriosis already, but unknowingly, you know, at the time, did fertility treatment that ultimately I, I ended up having worse symptoms after that. And I could see how I could be like. Oh, you know, I put myself through all this. Yeah. And all he has to do is just put semen in a cup. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but I, I think I was able to keep my mindset okay with that. Like, bring myself back to the reality because you would come to all of my appointments. At least all of those that you could go to, which was the vast majority of them. Wasn't, I think, until COVID when it started getting challenging. But yeah. Um, and you were, you know, always willing to be helpful, picking up medications, like, you know, helping me feel better when I'm not feeling great. Like you made yourself very, um, 
available and you made it really clear that it was both of us going through this like yes a lot is going on with my body mm-hmm. but i never felt like you were you gave me like the impression that you were like you do you and i'll just do my part like i, I you were good about ensuring that we were in this together but just for context right like we yeah. have had some rounds of uh, 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 yeah, we don't IUI. Yeah, IUI. Um, and initially, after my excision surgery, you know, my mindset was, especially since my surgeon kind of put it in my head that, um, you know, do the excision surgery, wait four months, mm-hmm. uh, and immediately start trying, uh, do IVF if you can. And I thought I was okay with that plan, uh, but then I had such complicated pain after my surgery that it was just really hard to get under control and when we finally did get back into a fertility um, practice I found myself uh, developing some anxiety at the idea of taking hormones yeah and because I remembered oh that's how I got into this the endometrioma Yeah. yeah and Two and two, yeah, like the two things came together in my head that I was like, that endometrioma rupturing in the midst of that IUI cycle is probably what got me in such bad shape, (laughs) you know, and and that was a a lot to grieve too, you know, when once I got the endometriosis diagnosis, man, all the things that we've done started coming back and I was just like just I was grieving every, every even the little things big things and little things I was, I was grieving just like even doing those fertility treatments mm-hmm. um, and dealing with a doctor that didn't think to ask oh do you have like pelvic pain or you know painful periods or pain with intercourse like didn't ask any yeah. of those questions and even when I developed the endometrioma didn't inquire like oh i wonder if this person may have endometriosis because at the time i didn't i didn't know much about endometriosis mm-hmm. so i just knew when i developed that cyst um that it was a chocolate cyst and i knew that that was associated with endo but that was pretty much the all i knew about endo at that time yeah and but thank god and you that was, did know that like, yeah even just knowing that much because that's what that is what raised my yeah. like radar up um first when it came to endometriosis it's like literally ever since that iui cycle i had endometriosis in my mind that that this might be something that i have so that's when i started learning more about it and mm-hmm. you know looking into how it gets treated um endometriosis specialists just started in my free time learning a little bit more about it um here and there so in that regard, I'm like, well, maybe I'm glad I, that that happened because it's what put it in my head to start thinking. But let's be real. I'm not glad it happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. who knows? I might have ended up with stage four endometriosis regardless. Um, but I, you know, I grieved. I was even grieving like all the condoms we wasted early on in our marriage. Yeah, I was like, oh, how man. much? I was like, how much money did we spend on condoms for nothing? Could have been raw dog and all that. Could have been time. raw dog and all that. <laughs> it comes to fertility because we're told there's always something we can do mm-hmm. the expectation is that we'll be willing to do anything right anything and if you're not willing to do anything and everything then you just didn't try hard enough you didn't yeah. want it enough which which sounds pretty um, uh, malicious because it it's like yeah, it, yeah it took a while to come to that line but i I never was comfortable personally with doing IVF. Super happy for all of my friends who have been able to do IVF and have success with it. But for me, mm-hmm. I, I realized that at this time, I'm not comfortable with um, with it. And it's primarily the hormonal part of it that concerns me and mm-hmm. the impact that it could have on 
on me as someone with endometriosis and and also just just so people know that a lot of people with endometriosis has have you know fertility treatments done mm-hmm. and and they do fine uh, but this is my body yeah and i i get to decide what i'm willing and not willing to do and i'm not not willing to do that it's just like i'm not willing to do um you know like a hormonal suppression for just the sake of it with mm-hmm. using that to treat endometriosis i wasn't willing to do that um and i'm also not really open to hormonal suppression and like manipulation um at at this time you know so i'm also 41 now and the older you get and it already you know becomes more challenging to to have to get pregnant and not to say it's not possible still but I'm concerned about my about my body. I'm, yeah. I'm concerned about my ability to safely carry pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Like, what what does it look like? What would it look like for me to carry uh, a pregnancy with my with like my level of adhesions and and chronic pelvic pain? So I'm starting to consider: is pregnancy just maybe not? in my best interests right. as it relates to my quality of life. Yeah, like and that's that's during and after, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I already because of having a myomectomy, a very like aggressive myomectomy, um are already off the bat. They're like mm-hmm. you have to do a C section. Yeah. I tend to argue that. <laughs> but I did have uh, a couple of uh, at fibroids that did go through, you know, they had full thickness through the uterus. And in those cases, they do often recommend, um, not getting fully determined, not getting to like full labor, Mm -hmm. um, because of the risk of like placenta, like just like rupture and the risk is low, but it's a a very severe. Yeah it's when it happens it's it's very severe um when it happens but i'm hard-headed and i can i i see myself still wanting to do a trial of labor and blah 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 and i just i can't do i can't do pregnancy labor and delivery the way that i want to do it right um under my circumstances at least not you know not safely and so i i also wonder well am i still willing to do that am i willing to do another pelvic surgery Mm. Um, after the hell that I went through with my first pelvic surgery, the idea of a C-section, it's not appealing at all. Mm-mm. You know, I yeah, and I, w- I would not want you to go through that. Yeah. So even though we went back to fertility um, clinic and we redid all our diagnostic stuff and things look okay, this is now us doing it post endometriosis diagnosis and surgery so the you know when it comes to the fertility doctor pretty much is like IVF is best we can retrieve your eggs as long as we can get to your ovaries um we can still work try to get you pregnant if you want to get pregnant but um, we, you know, we we think your uterus is probably a hostile environment. <laughs> yeah. Um, <sighs> which you're like, well, that doesn't sound very nice, right? Should, should I subject a, a fetus to my hostile hostile uterus? <laughs> anyway, we can. That's a whole nother topic we can talk about with using language like that. Mm-hmm. It's very, da- it could be very damaging. It's also not a clinical thing, right? Like. I would think you want to stick like, to the clinical okay. terms yeah. here. Like, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> I got little ninjas in my uterus. <laughs> Insurgents. Insurgents. <laughs> in, in my uterus. Mm-hmm. Um, Bandits. Thieves. Mm-hmm. Bandits. Thieves. Robbers. Robbers. Yeah, it's hostile. So, all of, all of that over, on top of dealing with chronic pain, 
and limited energy mm-hmm. you know has brought brought me now to you know what if it happens it happens and i'll i'll handle the challenge if if it if it does you know happen i'm like i in in our case i wouldn't consider like abortion you know or anything like that like i i would see it through mm-hmm my my risk of miscarriage is high, so I I would just pray for the best mm-hmm. and see how it goes, and manage risk as I best I can, and mm-hmm. try to see it through as long as my body is able to do. But I no longer want to be intentional. Yeah. About it like timing in a course i i've long stopped doing like basal body temperature mm-hmm. checking cervical mucus checking. all the things like i mean that was becoming so life encompassing like it was it's too much so now we're starting to be in the process of accepting like a life without us having our own you know, yeah. children naturally. It's, and, it's like I had to get to a point to where it felt like the hope was killing me. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, and now it's like I'm repurposing that energy to be more um, constructive. And so I'm thinking about, okay, what does parenting, what could parenting look like? Mm-hmm. You know, and choosing to be excited about that. You know, um, and there are perks of being like childless, childless, Absolutely. you know, like yeah, being able to travel when, when you want, mm-hmm. you know, being able to, um, sleep in, sleep in <laughs> you know, for as long as our dog would let us in. Right. <laughs> like we still have responsibility of a, a fur, a fur pet, baby pet, pet. I'm gonna say fur pet. I'm gonna say pet. <laughs> we have a responsibility of a pet. You know, yeah. we got we got a living being in the house to take care That's of. That's dependent on us. That's dependent on yeah. us. And is that enough? Could it be enough? I think so, because I don't have this strong desire that I must care for a human. Yeah. You know, but I do have a place in my heart for those in need. Right. And even when I was a kid and had zero desire to have children, mm-hmm. I even as a kid used to used to think, but I would adopt. Right. I would adopt because no kid should be without a loving home. Right. Um but I like to come to that. I I don't I can say that. What mm-hmm. I don't like is other people saying, "Well, you could just adopt." Right. Because it's also a very complicated process. Mm-hmm. And the same way that I drew a line that I'm not willing to do hormonal manipulation that's necessary for IVF, a couple other other people, individuals or couples have the right to draw a line to say, Absolutely. well, I'm not willing to to engage in the adoption system mm-hmm. internationally and or domestically for a multitude of reasons. Um Cost is just one of them, but it, it can be very um, stressful, yeah. problematic, and also not a guarantee. Just mm-hmm. like IVF is not a guarantee. Um, and you have to really be like, am I willing to go through the challenges and possible heartbreak that comes along with it? It's, it's the same exact process to me as... um. It's not the exact process. It's it's To me, it's comparable to sure. what one has to wrestle with. It's the waiting. With, it's the anticipation. Yeah. It's yeah. all the, these things. The uncertainty mm-hmm. with it, the cost. A lot of those things with adoption aligns with things like with like IVF mm-hmm. or surrogacy. Surrogacy through an agency is like $100,000 mm-hmm. average right off the bat. <laughs> you know? Kids are expensive. You know, Um and then, and I drew the line with that too. Like, for me personally, I'm not willing to spend a hundred thousand dollars plus for someone else to carry our 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 child. Mm-hmm. 
and but we have a right to change that if we decide to in the future yeah but like i'm like stephen a smith all this is all fluid it's fluid and it's but there is it's fluid if we're thinking about all the possible ways of having children or becoming Mm -hmm. parents um the possibility of me having a hysterectomy sometime in the you know near future is there Mm-hmm. Without a hysterectomy, obviously that will remove the possibility of me carrying yeah. a pregnancy. Um, so I'm already now starting to work through the grief process of being ready to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And knowing that it will, yes, it will help because I was recently, uh, told that I have uh, adenomyosis mm-hmm. and we interrupt this episode of endo thick of it for another moment of clarification. We realize that we may have used a term that some of our listeners may not be familiar with. Please allow us to define the term adenomyosis. Adenomyosis is when the tissue that normally lines the inside of the uterus is present inside the muscular wall of the uterus. It can cause severe pelvic pain heavy bleeding, and pain with intercourse. It can also cause infertility and miscarriage. Now, back to the episode. Uh, cure for that is a hysterectomy. I can process the relief that will come from having the hysterectomy and knowing that that will eliminate the adenomyosis element. Mm-hmm. But the grief that will come with now definitively not being able to ever carry children. Say yeah. so one thing about grief is that it's not on our terms. Like grief yeah. comes and shows up when it wants to come and show up. Like so, we can we can prepare as much as possible, which is is great. I think that that is how you remain resilient. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it shows up, you got to deal with it. I, I just wanted to spend more time like I think it's important to talk about um, grief because it is um, a part of even being able to transition and adjust to new realities like there are yeah. things that like there are things in life that we expected to happen and then it didn't work out the way that we expected and so we have to grieve those things and then once we come from a place of when we come out of grief, not that we ever truly <laughs> come out of it, I think we just learn how to cope and deal with it. Um, but once you get to a point of saying like, okay, what is possible where you can start to let hope in again? Um, I think that's when you really get into the, the sweet spot of being resilient. And, and so and I, I think we're starting to step into that part of it um mm-hmm. though we still deal with grief like i'm still hit out of the blue uh, sometimes with with grief and it's often because i've been triggered by some stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? i mean that's that's when it catches us off off guard mm-hmm. for sure i i don't get triggered very often now but mm. um Sometimes, sometimes I still do when someone just harshly says something yeah. stupid. Maybe, maybe it's my turn because at first I didn't get triggered by by very yeah, much. I get so uh, less. It's probably my turn. Less now. triggered. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, but I definitely, I wouldn't be triggered to the point where I'm like, I'm uh, crying or upset like that, which is totally okay mm-hmm. if that's the case. I would more so be pissed like, off yeah i would just get filled with anger mm-hmm. and 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 disappointment with whatever it is that caused that triggering um mm-hmm. but most of the time i'm now able to navigate people saying just not wise things related to our fertility mm-hmm. i'm able to change the subject i'm able to to say I don't want to talk about that or um, 
or I like to, my favorite, make people uncomfortable because I mm-hmm. love to share the discomfort. <laughs> you know, um, couples dealing with uh, fertility challenges have to deal with so much discomfort that comes with being around friends and family with kids, being asked all the time, when yeah. are they going to have kids? Yep. Um, oh, don't give up. You just got to keep praying. You know, I mean, That's, the amount oh of things gosh. that we have to deal here and the discomfort that we have to feel that I feel that it's like, you know, I mean, I could, I could say payback. I could say sweet revenge. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. I enjoy making people uncomfortable when they when they make the unwise decision to yeah. to speak out of pocket, you know, on mm-hmm. about someone's fertility. Like uh, the last time one someone asked me about uh, my belly cuz you know, endometriosis can cause you to just have some wicked uh, mm-hmm. bloating and you could definitely look pregnant and someone was just like tap my like tap my belly it was like congratulations mm-hmm. and I was like I'm not pregnant right yeah and he's like oh are well, you sure hmm. and like yeah double down on it huh double down yeah yeah and I was like yeah actually I am sure none of this ever happens when I'm around no, Either. it doesn't. It doesn't. Not and enough. I, and I feel like the same. It's like not when a, I'm triggered, you're not around not a, yeah, and vice versa. That's like, true. Well, that's true. Maybe people, uh, well, you know, I, I won't say that people being malicious. but I don't think so. In that in that case, I was I was like, no, actually, I have endometriosis. And it literally like causes my belly to bloat like with so much discomfort. It's painful, actually. Like I And, mm. I, and then, it, then it were caught having to sit there and listen to me uh. talking about pain. <laughs> But you know what you did in that moment? You also educated them. I did and made them uncomfortable, which was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One one thing that's been super triggering for me as of of late, and sometimes like I feel a physical reaction is when I hear the... um, you just gotta believe, or like yeah. the the faith thing. You just thing. gotta hope that the, that the Lord yeah. will provide. And oh, I got to throw a shoe at when, people, man, when people say that, man. Like I've I've been I've been keeping it together for as long as I could, and but like mm-hmm. now it's it's almost like I I feel that anger you were talking about just welling up inside. Like if you say. If you fix your mouth to say like, oh, maybe you just need to pray more. Maybe you because it's, it's like it's gaslighting you. Yeah. To, to, in other words, it's saying you haven't been right. doing it's, it. It's the assumption that enough. I've been sitting on my hands, yeah. not working, not, not doing, doing anything, any not like I was like, you don't know where we've been. You what don't know done, what we've been praying for. You don't know how many times we've been sitting in parking lots bawling our eyes out crying and praying and like you know that this will happen for us and like even speaking it by faith that oh it's gonna happen for us one day you know and god never promised us that but we wanted it so bad and so for you to look at me to say you just didn't believe or i'm like man let's just fight it's 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 (laughs) one of the worst things to say for sure yeah um, one of the worst things because it is, it is the most triggering and it's the most um, victim blaming. Right. You know, like it, like it, it's your fault. Oh, you so know? all these kids is running around here is because their parents believe. They believe. Oh, like oh. that math is math then. Yeah. Okay, I'm cool. Like, I'm sure that all these kids in the world are not here because someone just believed really hard for that's them. where babies come from belief yeah there <laughs> this you whole go. time oh there you go all along who knew who knew not me not me <laughs> <laughs> right yeah i i don't i don't know what fits as people's mouths to say that but yeah. um anything else that you find kind of triggering oh, how much time you got man um I, f- I find triggering now and, I, and I'm, I'm trying to get over this, but I'm not there yet. Um, new parents, new parents are triggering. Baby showers are triggering. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I'm, I'm cool 
once the kids are a certain age and I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm because I'm an uncle. I've been around this age of kids forever. But like the the new bundle of joy, like, oh, oh. that's hard for me, even when um, it's, it's a little bit easier when I know that this person has gone through a similar journey, you know, mm-hmm. but it's still it's and, and I hate it in me that I feel like. Like even when that's the case, there's a little part of me in the back of my mind. It's like, why not us? You know, and I hate that. And I and I, I wish that it, it didn't exist. Um, but I'm not, I'm just not completely at the point where I can fully celebrate with people yet. Um, and it's not that people are doing this maliciously or anything like that. That's the problem is me, and I'm still healing. You know, so. Um, another thing that triggers me is when people make fertility, pregnancy, having kids, whatever you want to call it, when they make it seem like it's a switch of a button. Yeah, that is very frustrating. Like when, when you say like, oh, it was one comment someone made to me when I was when I was talking about, oh yeah, like and when we were in the middle of our fertility journey, and I was like, yeah, me and me and wife, we were trying to have kids, keep us in prayer, or whatever. I'm learning that you can't share everything with everybody. Nope. Because what was said was, oh, I thought y'all were known how it how it works by oh, now. Know, I thought y'all know how to make make a baby by now. And. And once again, I wasn't around. Wasn't around. Wasn't enough tables in the room to flip. Um, I also have heard that though too. Yeah, I've been told told that um, by a coworker uh, who thought it was it's funny um, <laughs> because she has like six kids, and she's like, "Oh, you just gotta like have more sets. Like you must not be getting enough sets." I'm like, right. so now we now you're questioning my sex life too. Right, not, not just my fertility, but also the the sexual health of my marriage. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was like, but no, it's no. always stuff that's like you're doing something you're wrong. You're doing something because it should be that easy. Yeah, you're not you're not believing enough. You're not having enough sex. Mm-hmm. You're uh, you don't know how to how you to don't do it. know how to do it. You don't you're doing know how something to make wrong. Babies. I don't get too many people saying dumb stuff like that now, and I think that's because I'm also pretty open about mm-hmm. my chronic illness journey and what it entails that you can you kind of would, would look like an a-hole to mm-hmm. say like well when's this when that baby coming you know um when i'm gonna I'm start leaning into that things. i'm gonna try to like because mm-hmm. i think there's something there like you're providing education but you're forcing this person to live in this space of being uncomfortable yeah because like hey you put me here let's be here together we're gonna be here together you wanna you, know? you wanna talk about my belly? I'm gonna sit here and tell you why my belly is like this. Yeah. Or if someone, you know, is like, when are you gonna have kids already? And I'll say, maybe when I'm not three times more likely to die mm-hmm. in pregnancy, you know, in, in, in labor and delivery, stare. and then just look at them like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. As um, and that's just statistics of being a black woman and i think um, i know what people mean like like I, I think most people mean well when they say that i think most people when they say like when you have want to have kids what they're really trying to say is i want you to have kids they're I, trying to you, say you it's like you have you're right you Y'all, you have you're yeah. such a great person that you should be putting your greatness in something else yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, no, I think that. I mean, I definitely have gotten that that we we're such a great couple. So yeah, so naturally we we'll should have great, great parents, kids. You know, we'll have great and kids, we'll be great parents to those great kids. And it's like, duh, I know. It's like I know. But it's not I know. <laughs> I know that already. You know, I don't really need need you to double down. Right. Especially since you're not paying a dime towards the creation or rearing of these children. Exactly. Um, you don't. Your, your opinion really doesn't doesn't matter um, so
how can people show up better for those who are in their infertility journey in the middle of it? You know, whether that is you're just getting started and and things aren't going as planned. You've been trying for years and still nothing. Um, you've, you've tried different rounds of IUI and IVFs and or not. or not, you know, or you're at a point to where you've made a decision like, you know what, I'm embracing my new normal and everyone around me is just going to have to adjust because I've had to adjust. That's it right there. You know, is that is is um holding that stance of I'm I'm adjusting to this. So you're going to have to adjust as well. Mm-hmm. And you can't. We can't do it for people. It takes enough energy just trying to do our own adjusting. Yeah. Um, So, but we, but we sometimes do need to communicate our needs to people um, and let them know, like, you know, here's some ways that you could help me through this. Here's some ways that are not helpful. You know, Mm Also, I'm I'm a I am a big fan of discernment and not telling every and everybody everything. you know everything. Yeah, um, it's too much energy to have to like address all of these people when they want to ask about your fertility stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I have my you know trusted group of folks who I can talk to about fertility challenges that understand mm-hmm. that have been through it that are is currently going through it. And is less likely to say insensitive, unintentionally harmful things right. um, because they hate when they're told those things. Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, and it's like the real ones. They also come out and say, "How can I be supporting you in this?" Yeah, time? yeah, they do. You know, because they, they they want to know how they can show up for you. Yeah, especially exactly because they know how hard how mm-hmm. hard it can be. You know, um, but for someone who like they don't have any background with this, it's okay to to ask questions. But ask if it's okay to ask questions. Like yes, like instead of saying when you gonna have babies, that's a that's a stupid question. That's a dumb question. It doesn't yeah. help. But you can say like, hey, can I ask you like a few questions about this so I just can have a better understanding of what's going on? And then that puts it in your court of yes, no. Maybe not right now. Yeah, there's a, there's a way yeah. to to ask these questions, right? Like, yeah, you could even if it's people, like people like be demanding, like do you your private information? Like, even like, if it's no. something like, it, do you have any like, do you guys want children? Is this yeah. something in your plans? Yeah, you know, like instead of saying when you gonna do this, as if like that, like you don't know that might have never been in my plans. Like yeah. it might have always been to just. Be me and my my ride or die to the end of time. What can we tell people? I'm thinking about my, especially my fellow endo Mm -hmm. folks who have had to have hysterectomies. It's not a big organ, but man, it is very significant. Um, Society-wise, it almost represents our our womanhood. And that's something that is very frustrating, unfortunately, because it shouldn't. Um, because obviously we are still a woman without our, without the uterus. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it can really have an impact on our mental health when we've had to have surgery done to this area, either having an ovary or both ovaries removed or a uterus removed, like yeah. losing a tube maybe because of a ectopic pregnancy. Like there's just so many things that can cause us to have something taken away yeah from this very vulnerable um area of our of our body um and when the thing that's taken away basically eliminates our ability to ever have children um that is that is i think harder than people can you know yeah expect even for someone who maybe had no desire to have children yeah like i I went a long time without any desire to have children, but I still think I would, I would take it hard. Yeah. If, if I still was thinking in that same way, I still think it would be hard. No one likes having a door slammed in their face. Right. Like you, know? you, we want to determine the, you know, the decisions in our mm-hmm. life. We don't really want to be 
have it forced upon us. Right. Um, and also any part of our body, I think it's worth us noticing and kind of grieving the loss, you know, but it, it can really have a big impact on, on our mental health and really require us processing that loss mm-hmm. and redefining who we are without that, without that thing, that thing yeah. that was taken. Your, your feelings are valid, whether you are childless by choice or on any issue, really, you know, um, if someone is transitioning um, from a woman to a man, for example, mm-hmm. they will sometimes will, can, will have a full hysterectomy. That still is a big change yeah. um, that requires um, processing. And I highly recommend utilizing all the resources that, that we can. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, we can't really prepare ourselves for the grief once it hit us, but. I'm a fan of still doing our best of at least setting up the resources. You gotta sure yourself up so that when it hits us, the resources are there. So yeah, um, connecting with support groups mm-hmm. who that have like-minded folks who have been through what you've been through, um, mental health like counseling for sure. Yes, because grief is challenging to process uh, on our own. That and sometimes does warrant professional help. Um, you're creating your network of people that that only wants the best for you, who love you, mm-hmm. who have no desire to hurt you, who know better than to not say things that will cause pain. Like creating that even before you have the surgery, if that opportunity presents itself. Sometimes the surgery is an emergency surgery. Yeah, it, you know it's un- unexpected, but to the best that we can when we can prepare to try and create that. Um, and I just can't say enough about support groups, man. I've, I've gained, I honestly, when it comes to endometriosis, I've gained more from my support groups than I have from my surgeon, Mm -hmm. from previous doctors, uh, even from my counselor. Cause my counselor, uh, who is she's great, but she just she really doesn't have an understanding of how chronic pain literally infiltrates all areas of of yeah. my life. She she kind of thinks that if I just change my mindset, the pain will will yeah, be better. Yeah, it's very and, condescending. And I'm like, would you say that to someone who had a knife in their hand? <laughs> right. You need to change. You just need to change the way you see the, the way knife. You see like you just gotta you know you this knife isn't in your it. back <laughs> <laughs> it's in your hand it's in your you hand did? you know it's not hurting the rest of your body it's just in your hand right. like I, I and then we just didn't see eye to eye with that Some, like, it's actually it was great with many other things but I, I did have trouble getting you know with that hump because um she would bring in like the psychosomatic element of pain, which I respect, but mm-hmm. it's also gaslight. There's some gaslighting history, gaslight. yeah. Um, especially with women uh, and and others who are told that their pain isn't in their head or their pain is like not as it's not real or you're exaggerating, blah blah blah. So I t- I remember telling her early on like I'm gonna need you to be careful about using the word psychosomatic or anything like it mm-hmm. uh, because it, it makes me believe that you don't understand that this is not like some type of um psychosomatic pain here this is actual like m- I have muscular pain mm-hmm. i have um neuropathic pain straight up plain old nociceptive pain right <laughs> yeah um like this pain like has this a place, is, uh, like it a has physical a source. place. It's a source, and like, it's not, it's not originating. Yeah. It's not in my psyche. From my head. <laughs> and yes, I do understand that the power of the mind is strong, and it can, yeah. we can set up um, frameworks in our mind to really help us be able to tackle the chronic but pain. But you don't start and there. have it 
Exactly. But that's, you know, when you're dealing with someone who's a mental health gear, that's that's yeah. where they're coming from. They don't really mm-hmm. know the physiological. I was, I was just thinking because it's like, you know, it's one of those know your audience things. It's like yeah. it's someone in that field, everything is a, is a brain thing. Everything is a mind, yeah, yeah. related thing. And not all, you know, count, you know, mental health folks are that way. Just think that it was a challenge in this, with this, but kind of do some of that legwork when you can so that you already have a great counselor on deck when you're processing the that change you know that loss of your uterus or your mm-hmm. ovaries you know or your just your inability to have children mm-hmm. um whether you wanted children or didn't want children right that's when you want to feel validated in in their in what they're going through so that they can process it in a healthy way yeah i think this is also true for People like me who don't, you know, who don't have a uterus, you know, but you know, you still have expectations and you still like, I, I don't know, like maybe it's come across in this podcast a little bit that like, you know, cause I'm kind of, I feel kind of light, lighter than I expected. But at the same time, this is something that I truly grieve mm-hmm. um, because I did, I wanted to be a father, you know, um, I'm sure like um, I don't I don't know if you've ever had, but like I've had dreams about like actually holding um, a child like uh, our child. Right. Like mm-hmm. and vivid dreams, you know, and those in itself are are triggers and or in just things that were like where you kind of feel just cheated, you know, a bit. Um, So that that grief is real. So I think it's. It's very worthwhile whether you're you you have a uterus or not to process grief, um, and to and to do that work and um, it looks like different things is is seeing a, a a counselor or a therapist is is finding people who are going through the same thing who have been through the same thing because that's where you're gonna feel the most seen and heard and understood because like they get it. You know. Yeah. Also, I really want to change the narrative that like the fact that we were trying to get pregnant and it didn't happen and may not ever happen, that somehow that that means that we're just like this sad case. Mm-hmm. I I am a strong believer that we can create our happy ending. Yeah. Like the happy ending wasn't just to have a miracle baby. Right. In, in spite of all that we're going, we've gone through. I think that's what people want it, want it for us. That's what people get joy out of when they see, oh, they've been trying for so long and they finally got their miracle baby. And I need people to understand that, that I don't think though we have to grieve just the change in our expectations and Mm -hmm. grieve the effort that didn't yield the result that we desired that we are still going to have a happy ending absolutely we are happily married we love each other dearly we do not feel that we are incomplete without children we you know I think society needs to recognize that this is a, a happy, can be a happy ending too. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, and I, it's, I, it's I, don't not, I'm it's, not, I, I refuse to just chase just this one side of a happy ending. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's when, when that, I guess that's what you mean when you say we need to redirect that hope. You know, yeah, because like, it's, it's, it's not an energy into it's to not an external thing, you know, like no one dictates that happy ending, but you. Right. Like, so it's it's not that like people around you wanted you to have kids so bad or or even if it's if it's someone you're with, you know, that like who who wanted those kids so bad. And he's like, oh, I let them down or it's like, no, you got like you could reshape what happened what that happy ending means for yourself you know Mm -hmm. and that's when you step into the realm of like empowerment 
you know, and, and feeling strong again and not like this sad case, yeah. you know, but it's okay to, it's okay to grieve the, the expectations that weren't met. That's fine. I, I think that's healthy. Absolutely. But when you get to the point of saying and b- being able to look at and say, okay, now what can be, you know, and, and work toward that, like that's when you start to really craft your own happy ending, I believe. I am actually excited to that we're now in the process of creating our happy ending. Yeah. And it's like it's like an alternate ending to a movie and you're like, dang, that yeah. actually ended up being kinda dope. <laughs> <laughs> kinda like that better. Who knows? You know? Yeah. And like, but that part I'm actually looking forward to, mm-hmm. you know. So that's how I know that I'm over the hump. I'm not. I'm not done grieving. I still have a. I still have no desire to attend baby showers mm-hmm. because I wish to protect my mental health. Yeah. I like you do sometimes struggle around new parents, mm-hmm. um, newborns, you know, um, things like that, and that's all. That's all right. If in, if. For the time being, we just kind of have to protect ourselves and mm-hmm. and not put ourselves too often in environments that's going to um, potentially trigger us. That's okay. Um, but I am excited about refocusing the energy and time and resources that mm-hmm. was going into trying to get pregnant to just us ensuring that we are our best selves. Yes. I want us to be healthy. Mm-hmm. I want us to be happy. I want us to continue to serve each other, mm-hmm. you know, to our fullest ability. I want us to see the world. I yes. Want, just, I just have so many things that I want uh, our future to to entail. Uh, and I do love dogs and would love to have like three full of them. And yeah, well, let's let's <laughs> let's move to two first, and then we'll see. Uh, and, and and I do not see pets as a replacement for children. No. I think um, personally, dogs are super awesome all on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, just like I think, like adoption is not just like a re- a replacement for having children. Adoption is amazing all on its own. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's really challenging. But to be able to do it and to successfully be able to do it is amazing all on its own. So, yeah. so, uh, so, I'm I, guess, I think on that's that. why I get offended when people yeah. are just like, "Well, just adopt," as if like, "Well, just settle for second place," as if adoption is like a second place middle. subpar. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, listen to yourself. Like, like, do you know anyone who's been adopted or has gone through the process of adopting like mm-hmm. children? It is insane. It is a battle yeah. that you have to really truck through and it's hard. it's not it's not for the, none of this is for weak people you know like uh, no no and you know no, whether whether you decide because i don't i don't want people to think that we're saying like you know what if if you're in the f- infertility like to just give up and or whatever we're saying you have the power to choose whatever that is for yourself whether it is adoption adopting a pet or continuing on, you know, um, trying to have children, you get to dictate that. Um, for us, though, <laughs> I think we're out of the, we're out of the game, man. We're not actively trying to have children at this moment. Yeah. Um, and we are accepting life as it is. And as it comes to us and we're focused on, being healthy, happy, supportive to one another. Speaking of being supportive to one another, I'm still grieving a lot of stuff. I'm not, I don't think I'm as far along as you are. And it's probably because I'm, I'm I haven't found my uh it helps to have a my support. Yeah, group. I don't have I don't have a, a, a support group walking with me right now. And I'm getting all of my support from your support group, uh, which is <laughs> which has been awesome. But I don't think that's sufficient for me right now so i have to find more support um and you've been supporting me you know so uh, but like i i I think i just need to be more open to you and allow you and invite you into that to that space um which is a note and this is a whole nother podcast this is a note for uh caregivers and those who are receiving care 
to allow that space like to open up and invite someone into that space to to be there for you thank you so much for tuning in to endo thick of it with brandon and kimather it has been a pleasure sharing our experiences and knowledge with you all it wasn't easy but we hope that our discussion uh, has been helpful and informative if this episode resonated with you, please consider subscribing to our podcast, sharing this episode, or leaving a review. This helps us get our podcast out to those who are looking for this kind of resource. Remember, you are not alone in your struggles with infertility. Together, we can continue to raise awareness and support one another. Take care, and until next time, keep fighting the good fight.